I almost did like a a voice to intro us. Like, hello and welcome to the in between. <laughs> I have that like uh anytime I think of uh a like a produced voice, I right. think of the movie phone voice. Did y'all ever call movie phone growing up? I did. Yeah. yeah that was like to thing. see what was the times. Yeah, the times. That must be between us, Colson. <laughs> yeah. Before, so the, after before you and after me. What's there this? was this service that you could call, and it it uh, it would like let you, you know, we're talking touchstone. Right. Right. Phone. So it was after the dial, Chris. Keep in mind, this isn't a confession podcast, so we're talking about something. There was there was there were numbers we, trying that, to were, that existed like that back then, but uh, no, I not we that didn't kind. Call those. Not that kind. It was okay. a, it, you. You got to like. It, they would tell you what movies were playing and what time oh, they were playing. Oh, oh, yes. Okay, that's what that. Yeah, we just got, we just called the theater directly. No, this yeah. was like a yeah. like you could you could get a whole bunch of different theaters and with listen one to phone trailers call and listen to trailers. No way. Yeah, yeah. they would have them like it was like Fandango be like, before that was a thing. Yeah, exactly. Because you didn't have smartphones, you had right calling the from your house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, is a cordless. But explain that to Colson. Oh, mine wasn't. You had a wire? corded. Oh, yeah, yeah, mine was corded. We never had cordless, uh, but the solution was my dad had like a ten foot long cord. Yes, that would get wrapped up, and he would always have one that he would be retightening in the closet, wrapped around <laughs> tightly with rubber bands, so that it would hold its tension. And oh, so then, when shit. the one that we had that would be stretched out because it would go from the kitchen all the way d- into my sister's yes. room, yes. and she would talk to people, you know, stretched underneath the door. That wouldn't get stretched out, and then you'd replace it. So they'd go back and forth as you'd retighten. Yeah. Wow. So the it, thing would al- you would call, and the thing wow. would always start. Hello, and welcome to Movie Phone. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, press one. <laughs> to choose from a list of current movies, press two. Wow. You. I mean, it was like you I called memorized. it a lot. <laughs> we, I went to see a lot of movies growing up. Um, was just wow. Kind of one of those things, and you know, the dollar movie and. Uh, Man, shoot! There's so many. Fu- anyway, we gotta, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta move on. I know it's, exactly. I'm, the I'm are flooding. flooding. Yeah. I think they're flooding in. So, Too funny. so many, so many memories. Um, so speaking uh, of Bible poetry. Speaking of Bible poetry. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of good transitions. That's right. Um, yeah. So we're we're in uh, seven still. Yes. Um, yeah, and Paul and was right. There are two. <laughs> Paul was right. It was not going to be. Paul was right. Time. I wasn't going to get through chapter seven. No. Um, I guess. I guess three. Um, pretty pretty strong poems in this. Uh-huh. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about poetry, um, and how it's it's different. Yeah. Y'all 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 didn't <clears throat> didn't get into poetry too much. Oh, I did later. The, I don't wait, the Hebrew poetry. Yeah. Um. Oh well. No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, there may there could be things that I may have had a professor who, if he was alive, would be going like, "Leg, I spent two <laughs> semesters on like, but I don't remember any of that in detail. Like, like being being, you know, set apart for me and taught to me. I know what it is, and I know conceptually, but I don't, I don't, I don't get it because it's very different from Western poetry. Yeah, and I was even listening to you say on Sunday explaining the fact that you don't relate all that well to Hebrew poetry and don't understand all the rules. And I was like, I don't even relate to English poetry that well. So <laughs> I as well don't don't fully understand it. I mean, again, you I, you mentioned some key characteristics. You mentioned right. the repetition. You mentioned the 
kind of expansive language mm-hmm. um, off, you know, again, the, the use of common words to be almost incomplete pictures so that they're more metaphorically presented and lots of imagery. And I think what was, you know, interesting was as we were talking even a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, you know, the notion of poetry and apocalyptic literature kind of also sharing some things hand in hand. And mm-hmm. so we're, it's, it's very fitting here to have these interjection of poetry um, mm-hmm. because in a, it's in apocalyptic literature, in apocalyptic literature, which by the way, I was calling apparently on Sunday, did anybody else catch it? Apparently I was calling it apocryphal literature oh, on Sunday. Oh, I, didn't I, didn't, catch that. I didn't catch that. Chris Sherrod asked me about that. He's like, hey, I think you used the word apocryphal literature. And I was like, I, I think I did. Like, now, well, that sounds, so we'll have to go back and look. Yeah, that's Because I did not mean apocryphal literature. I mean, you mentioned Maccabees yeah, in your sermon. Which, Maybe it was that then. would be apocryphal would literature. Be. Or from the Apocrypha, anyway. Right. But... I think a, apocryphal literature does it well. It may overlap with apocalyptic literature, but it's oh, not yeah. what I mean. What I mean is apocalyptic literature. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm gonna have to mention at the beginning of the sermon. You want to give everybody a breakdown on what that those well, two distinctions mean? Because okay, let me look. I up guarantee apocryphal. there's somebody listening going, "I, I just so apocalyptic." Over there. The definition that I gave about pulling back the veil—that's that is apocalyptic literature. Yeah. So if I use the term, which I have no reason to, I have much more faith in Chris Sherrod listening to me than me speaking on something like that. <clears throat> so it makes me wonder if you did it in both services. I, yeah, me too. Um, and if I did, you know, there, there seems like a lot of people in our audience who would have been like, I think you mean think like you, raising your yeah. hand. Raise, <clears throat> anyway, but um, maybe they didn't want to be wrong any more than I want to be wrong with <laughs> the um, – um, so apocryphal, apocalyptic literature is, is um, some of what we're talking about here too, it, whether it's poem or not, is often dramatic but, and, and symbol, symbolism and all that stuff. But it's, it's technically the concept of pulling back the veil, revealing something we would normally know. Mm-hmm. So something that was hidden, that was veiled, is wouldn't, now unveiled. Wouldn't normally know. Yeah, would not normally okay. know, no. unless God just reveals it. So apocryphal literature can either mean something coming from <clears throat> a, a book belonging to the Apocrypha, mm-hmm. which there's even two different kind of there that you have the books that would be in some some Christians' Bibles. Um, and then you have, and then it also though applies sometimes to books written around the era of that that weren't included in the Bible. So you have like, <clears throat> you know, the book of Maccabees, which is in the Apocrypha, I'm doing that right, right? Yeah, you're still saying it right. Okay, good. <laughs> start switching it, get it wrong. In a second. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Just to Looking clarify, right? To... Let me mess this up again. Oh no! Um, but then you have like the Gospel of Thomas, which is not in the Apocrypha in the middle of like some Roman Catholic Bibles, but is sometimes considered apocryphal literature. But then you have apocryphal, which is a story or statement, and you don't know where it comes from. Right. And it even has kind of a little like. Uh, it can have the feel of like it's dubious. It's dubious. It's it's almost like that's like a legend. That's right. like a that's like something that was meant to. It uses uh, historical people to um, tell a lesson. Right, right. But it's not. It didn't actually happen. Or it's even accepted as generally true. Yeah. But when you dig into it, you're like, we actually probably don't know that. That's like a great one. Is you know George Washington cutting down the cherry tree. Yeah. 
And so we're all just taught ask, that is true. What's the uh, Mr. Peabody? Um, oh my gosh, y'all are looking at me like okay. So the, I got I'm, nothing. You're uh, struggling there with that. It just keeps sinking on me. Um, we're talking about my microphone. Um, so Mr. Peabody Sherman and the dog. Yeah, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Yeah. Um, they they made like a movie of this, um, and my kids watch it all the time. But like Sherman always talks about. <laughs> Or not always talks about Sherman gets in trouble in class because you know they're talking about uh, George Washington cutting down the cherry tree and he goes apocryphal. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. There you go. Perfect. So that would have been a, that's exactly the lesson. So the because idea they that, go back in time and Sherman knows that he didn't cut he didn't down the really cherry. Do it. Yeah. There you go. Okay. See, it's all coming together. Yep. So that person who was confused a minute ago probably now crystal clear. They have no more questions. Um, so apocryphal. So that's the. There is an overlap there. It's right. a story that we told that we that we tell that we kind of accept as true, even though we don't know where it came from. Right. Versus, this is a, an account that we have that is God unveiling some insight that we would not otherwise have. So you can see where there's overlap. Oh yeah. And then, of course, I was referencing Maccabees uh, some on Sunday, which is from the Apocrypha. So true. I think, um, you know, it, it's not surprising if I got those mixed up a little bit. In, you know, in who life. really loved Hebrew poetry. The Maccabees. Yes. Okay. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> you're just saying. <laughs> Trying like, to, I, I was going to be I super impressed I, if you were about to do a deep dive into Maccabees <laughs> about poetry because I was like, that doesn't. I didn't see that coming. I think he's giving us an example of an apocryphal act, uh, piece of information. I'm also trying to get us back to poetry. There you go. So Jewish poetry, it isn't, if I'm correct on this, and again, I am no expert, but as I remember correctly, it's not primarily about meter or rhyme, it's it's almost entirely about figures of speech. And so it is a, um, it, it's not... And, and word play. Right, exactly. Lots of that. And so that you have things, the concepts that repeat or that mirror each other, this yes. and that mirror each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and which makes sense when you consider that they were memorizing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that the fact that it's that there's repeating and mirroring passages would have been super helpful for memorization. Have you ever uh, thought of Proverbs as poetry? Um, I assume that, yeah, it's understood. The way it's written is understood as some parts of it are written very much so like poetry. Yeah, I have, I, I've, I've had some people tell me that it's not, but I, I, it, to me it very clearly is. Hmm. Um, and that's part of the, this will help you remember the, I mean, it's like, Gosh, some of them I don't know that you could even debate. Sections right. of it would be definitely, and yeah. then of course the Psalms. I mean, the Psalms are—they are poetry, obviously. Song of Solomon, most of Job. That's not, yeah. I don't think there's a question there, but mm-hmm. it's uh, to me, I like. I actually love it. Um, um, anytime there's uh, poetry involved, and and not to be like the typical artsy guy or whatever inside of it, but it it like that. Uh, the language that's used is 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 drawing on intuition. I feel like more than more than anything else, and it's it's it it's it's trying to get you to understand something that is not understandable, or that is not like um, easily understood. I guess, um, and and to I'm going to use the f word here, oh, feel. <laughs> <laughs> to feel um, a certain way. I was, I was waiting for you to beep out something over there, Cole. <laughs> so like he was, his hand was going for the monitor. 
Do we have the? We need to. We need to get the. Install the bleep. The bleep noise. I'll just put that in in post. I'll just, just put it yeah. in post. But uh, in, install the beep button so then, because that that we were talking about the sound effects that we have at our disposable. Right. The beep button would probably definitely be at least fun to play with. Yeah. You just start beeping every other word that Paul says, and then people think he's coming. <laughs> well, you're right though. Poetry does communicate in a different way. Um, it hits us kind of more intuitively. And sometimes less cognitively, although it's not one or the other necessarily. It's no. it's more likely to hit us more at the emotional level. I I mean I feel like it's trying to draw those two things together. Like yeah, it's hitting you say. cognitively and trying to get you to to bring bring those two parts of yourself together to be able to understand something um, that not uh, wouldn't necessarily be the the case if you weren't using bigger language. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of like get, allowing you to get your hands on it in a way that you can't fully grasp it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but giving you access, yeah. but then still showing you in that in that process that there's more to it, which again I, I think is a great parallel. That to, was great imagery, Paul. No, mm-hmm. you're welcome. Good job. You're, you're a poet. But even in we talked about that with the idea of these, you know, these visions and even this section of mm. uh, this apocalyptic narrative uh, to have the same concept. You know, if we're just explaining all of this so that we take away all the mystery, that all the analogy then is complete and all the metaphors are understandable, right. then we're not doing it by the way that it's presented. Right. That's exactly. a, that was a good. I think you. I think John, you mentioned that last week, the idea of the mystery, the preserving of the mystery, and then I referenced that Sunday quite a bit. The idea that we need to. I think that was Paul. Okay, sweet. Whoever that was a. Uh, if it was a good idea. It was probably Paul. <laughs> that that's such a vital picture, and fights against us as good Westerners, you know, who want to be able to put in put in, in categories and box it up and well, yeah. create lists and I, I can I can uh, compartmentalize that if right. I if I can label it. We like so labels. We do. And check boxes. We can be So label this as um apocalyptic apocryphal or ap- <laughs> apocryphal apocalyptic something. Something. You can, you can just go ahead and label it and then, you know, don't don't worry about it. That's not true. I'm joking. That's it was right. a joke. <clears throat> so, I think as we're wrapping up this section, what I'm going to end up doing is focusing in on this um, on this little horn that's revealed, because I think this is one of the first times we see in the Bible this concept that, that I'm going to unpack Sunday. I think the concept of the Antichrist. Um, and I think most Christians have really strange understandings often of that, and we may have talked about this before, but I think that's really common. Yeah, we did because we. Mm-hmm. Talked about how one of my assignments was to pick somebody and assign them, figure out a way that their name meant the, the number of the beast. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and so I think that's something that'll be fun to unpack and kind of broaden everybody's perspective of. But when you when you get into this, I don't understand what's so confusing. The guy's going to have horns. So right, exactly, it's going to be easy to spot. Yeah. Darth Maul all yeah. the way. Seriously. Um. So I think when we say the <clears throat> this this Clarif- clarification that we get. It is intriguing to me that in this whole vision thing, what Daniel wants to talk about is this fourth beast and the little horn. Mm-hmm. Like he keeps coming back to that. And yeah, um, it, that's what he's confused by. Yeah. Calls him now anxious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Daniel sees this and is like, uh, tell me more about that part. <laughs> like, 
Not the winged lion, not the not the four-headed leopard. I really, really want more information on that. I don't know if it's just because it was the scariest part to him or Daniel's brilliant mind identified this as, okay, this is the part that needs to be unpacked. Like, I don't... It's, it's like fascinating. Lori and I talk about our justice meters going off, uh-huh. and you just like you fixate once it does. And I, I mean, I that's what I assumed. I guess was happening is, yeah. you know, he sees this uh, horn speaking arrogantly, and his justice meter in front of God, and his justice meter just goes off the charts. Yeah, like I can't handle what's happen. What's gonna, you know, yeah, the humiliation of this. Horn is very important yep. to him. And it, I mean, you know, and satisfaction we get, there. You know, we get, we're going to run into some more details about this beast and this desire to know the truth about it. Um, because we're going to see that, yes, he's still different from all the rest. He's got these teeth of iron and these claws of bronze and mm-hmm. which devoured and broke into pieces and stamped, which is left of its feet. And so, yeah, there's very much the other beasts, you know, rising, representing again, if this is human coming out of humanity, rising up um, to be the, you know, exalted, you know, kind of ruler of everything, you know, these kings right. that are there. Mm-hmm. And it seems like certainly there's this aspect of with the other three that they're somehow just rising up in the greatness of what they are and what mm-hmm. they have. And then now this beast, terrifying one, that's not like any others that has this, it's not just rising up through the self-promotion, it's doing so by devouring and tearing mm-hmm. apart and sure. and so it's the it's destruction yeah almost the ultimate expression of human evil um here because now it's it's not just hey let's let's rise up so that we can all be greater by me being the greatest it's right. no i'm going to be the greatest at the expense of devouring all of y'all mm-hmm. and yeah i wonder if that is i mean it's all speculation but i wonder if that is what daniel's seeing here of like wow this tell, i gotta i want to learn more about this because i've seen the king you know, that yes, is right. doing this in a way that he's pulling in all these captives and he's building up his kingdom, but he's creating some, conquering. Yeah. Some pretty great things that are pretty impressive to the known world mm-hmm. and beneficial to, to him and to all these others that would be a part of this kingdom. Right. And then now here's, there's going to be one to come that apparently does a totally different model yep. at the expense of everybody else. And, yeah. and even the maybe maybe once especially once he starts realizing this is this is one who's going to make war not against just its enemies but this one's going to make war against God's people like this one has a more specific target God's people mm, yeah um, and maybe that's you know because obviously he's going to be interpret that as God's people as as like obviously the Jewish race mm-hmm. and he's going to be very drawn into that so I think that's important. And he's that's that's going to be played out, and of course the idea of saints and God's people is expanded by the role of the church. But you know, there's still a conversation to be had there with what is going on here and what's this guy, this fourth beast, going to do? And the horn that then you know begins to and we see in verse 25 speak words against the Most High and wear out the saints of the Most High. Mm-hmm. Like this becomes very personal. It goes from being just. These are just a beast that this is just a wild animal that conquers everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything in its path. And this one's like, now become Well, we're going after Yeah. And like you said earlier, that's a good point of reading this back in the context of Daniel mm-hmm. in exile. Right. You know, 
and maybe even outliving his friends at this point and, and watching this dwindling, uh, you know, population of God's people and, mm. and going to Jeremiah to say, isn't this almost over? I mean, there's not a lot left. Right. And then to be shown and who's left will also be <clears throat> attacked and devoured and, he, right. and this beast will overcome it. Um, yeah. Wow. Man. To be presented with that and then to come to verse 22 until the ancient of days. Right. I mean, I think that, <laughs> that the comfort that would come from that until the ancient of days came and judgment was given for all the saints of the most high. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Wow. The stark contrast to hearing those words after being exposed to all that imagery. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Definitely. It's uh, comforting. It is. And this, uh, yeah. It does seem like it's taken a long time. I feel that sometimes. Well, I feel that sense. Of, I mean, I get it, but I have that emotion sometimes yeah. of like, oh yeah, oh gosh, seems like this could have this could be at any time. But I think everybody's thought that. Mm-hmm. So when I think of it in my own time, it's fine. But when I think of it as like, yeah, we're we're now on two thousand. Well, in this case, twenty six hundred years. But he wouldn't have been expecting it for almost another, you know, several hundred years. But for almost two thousand years, every generation of Christians has thought. I mean, this has got to be it. Mm-hmm. So that. There does come a moment in my mind of, I get the idea of, almost the idea of, like, so if I picture this fourth beast as being the kingdom of the world between the time of, yeah. say, Jesus and now, then I get this, he will wear out the saints. There are times I feel more weary. I don't feel defeated, mm-hmm. but I do feel weary at times. No, absolutely weary is um, whatever. It's 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 a real, mm-hmm. and it, it <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I think we're all kind of feeling that right now. But uh, just to kind of turn that on its head a little bit, can you imagine what Daniel, uh, I guess, felt um, whenever he saw Jesus? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this this lamb, this uh, son of man. Yeah, the son of man. Sorry, I was uh, oh, I, going to Revelation right. there. I mean, but it's right, but yeah. The, this, this son of man that shows up, like his... I can't imagine after after living the life that he lived in exile, what his reaction to seeing Jesus um, displayed yep. was. It, it's it is interesting, and it'll be interesting, Chris, as you handle it when you come across in the sermon. I mean this this chapter closes. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my mm-hmm. color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Yeah. At the when you get to the. Uh, we'll continue in eight with another one. And eight ends with, and I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision and I did not understand it. I mean, there there was no one to explain it. There's some interesting, you know, kind of side notes that Daniel slips in to these, you know, this processing of this vision about himself. And yeah, and it is, it is not like, and this is... This is how it ends, and we all lived happily ever after. And yeah, I went on to my next thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, yeah, and and I guess what I'm what I'm getting at is the like the the exhaustion and the the weariness that Daniel felt in the midst of this was real. I think the exha- exhaustion and the weariness that we feel as we wait for Jesus to come again is real. But don't forget that Daniel, like, not in his physical body, but or earthly body. I don't know how this works, but, <laughs> but he got to see Jesus. Mm. Um, and he, 
Like he 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 saw, you know, and will see again that and and the 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 joy that comes from that. Like I I just want us to to take a second, I guess, and remember like that that this is bringing hope. That that Absolutely. we know like that that he saw the first or he he um we have seen we have seen the first coming of Jesus not with our physical eyes right um, but we have seen it and that like that should get you pumped that mm-hmm. the um we we may not experience um what we hope for yet we may not uh see what what our eyes of faith um have convinced us of yet mm-hmm. but it is coming um, and and we're assured of that in these passages that that show this. We're we're not only assured of the beasts and the you know little arrogant horn, but we're assured of the ancient of days. We're assured of the glorification of the Son of Man, um, and and though we're weary, yes, um, yeah. And I think in the skipping all the way to the end, then here's the great. Again, admonition of what we're supposed to do with this. So blessed is he who waits and arrives yeah. at the 1,335 days. And then this is the closing call. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and s- shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. I just love that command of like, so go your way. Yeah. Keep going. Because that's, that's what Daniel hears from earlier in this passage from the uh, angelic kind of, again, interpretation. It's just so... Daniel, you're, you've seen all this, so now what do you do? Well, go your way, Daniel. And do, then Daniel's telling us. Do the so next go, thing in front of you. Yeah, go your way, and you shall find rest, and you shall stand in your allotted place if mm. you remain faithful. It's so, so good. good. Yep, just the best. Be encouraged. We'll see you next week. <laughs>